Turn quickly before we get to our main verse here. Uh, just, just I'm prompted, so turn very quickly to Hebrews chapter 10. I just want, I quote it often, but I want your eyes to see it. I quote it often, but I want your eyes to see it. It's important. So much noise out there, Taylor. There's so many voices. There's so much going on. We got the transgender pastor in Mississauga, you know, who's now come out and they let him go. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, I feel sorry I have compassion for him. But instead of uh, changing, you know, he, he's now going to go on the road and, and, and continue ministry. And I guess in his mind as a Baptist man, he believes that there's nothing wrong with saying you're a woman when you're a man. And, and, but, but it just shows me, and the vote in the church was 48 to 52. So that shows me that the teaching in that Baptist church, I'm not saying as a whole, but in that Baptist church, that shows me that there was no solid doctrinal teaching in the Word of God. Because for 48% of the congregation to say our pastor can turn from a man to a woman and there's nothing wrong with that, that shows me, I mean, that, that is atrocious. That, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against him. We love people. We're not against anybody, but we're for the word. No person comes before the word. And the word is very clear about sexuality. The word is very clear about what is pure in God's eyes. And that man, he's in danger. He's in danger. That's a dangerous place to be. Listen, when Paul talked to that guy in, in, in Corinthians, and he said he's sleeping with his stepmother, his father's wife, and Paul thought that was so vile for a son to sleep with his stepmother, that he said, pray that he, if he don't repent, give him over to the devil. Let the devil kill him quickly because there's a season of mercy. And if you die unrepentant in that season of mercy, even in gross sin, you'll go to heaven. But if that season of mercy goes, if, you, if your unrepentant sinful lifestyle exceeds that season of mercy, and we don't know how long that mercy season is, it's probably different for each person, but if you live out your life unrepentant and hard-hearted toward God and willfully continue sinning and you go past that season of mercy, even though you were saved, you go to hell because God cuts you off. Eventually, you have to, you have to take responsibility. But as I'm saying, uh, you know, we, we see people, we don't talk about this in the New Testament because it's unpopular. But that, if, if, if sleeping with your stepmother was vile enough for God to say that, I'm telling you, this kind of stuff qualifies. This kind of stuff qualifies. And they better be careful because either the devil needs to kill him quick so he makes it. Because if he lives out this and becomes a champion for transgender rights for pastors, I'm telling you, his, his soul is in danger of losing his salvation. And if you don't believe me, just read Brother Hagin's book because he talks about this and he teaches this. So we're in a crazy age. I mean, what we're seeing, we've never seen before. What we're hearing, we've never heard before. I mean, we are in an outstanding time, both bad and good. That's why it says gross darkness, not dark, gross. 1960s, 1950s, 1940s was dark. 2020 is gross darkness is covering the peoples. We're in the season of gross darkness, but he says, rise and arise and shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So in a time where the darkness is so thick, you can cut it with a knife. So the glory of God will be so bright, brighter than you've ever seen. And that's what I'm saying. The spirit church versus the flesh church, the spirit church are the churches where the glory of God and the power of God. Like we said in the offering, the glory was demonstrated in miracles and people caused them to believe. So when the glory of God is rising and the power of God is rising, 
rising and miracles are rising and holiness is being extolled. I'm telling you, that's the bright light. That's the local church. And not all churches are like that, but we and many others are. Praise God. Hebrews 10, 25, remind yourself of this. Not forsaking. Not forsaking. Let me read verse 24. Because that Lord got this over to me recently, which I'd never really connected the two. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Provoke. We are allowed, and I as your pastor, it means to incite. You ever seen a dog that is like, not excite, incite, an incitement. When you are incited to do something, you are, you are provoked, you are, mm, there's a push, there's a, it's a strong word. We are, I as your pastor and you as each other are commanded to provoke each other, to incite each other to do what? To do love, that means walk in love and do the right thing, good works. Now what is part, I'm allowed to provoke you. You better walk in love. And you, better, and you better live right. You better do the right works that God expects. See, my job is to provoke you. Your job is to provoke each other. And that's okay. Now, what is one of the good works that we are pro to provoke each other to do? What does it say? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 25. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God said, the closer you get to the rapture, the more faithful you are to be to the local church. Because the closer you get, the darker it gets and the brighter it gets in the local church. And so the more you see it coming faster, speeding toward us, and you see this world going into disarray, the more that day approaches, the day of the rapture when we're going, that day, the more, the more you gather, the more, why? Because when you gather, you are exhorted. When you gather, you are strengthened. So in the end, why, now why would God say that, Taylor? The Lord, the reason he would put this in the word is because there's going to be a tendency in the end days for people as the day approaches to show up less. There's, are you listening to me? You better talk back or I'm going to move you all to another service. Lorna, don't even start with me. I'll kiss my teeth at you. Now the more... The more that we see the day approaching, the more temptation it is for people to not assemble. That is. That's why God said, you better assemble. And you better assemble more than you ever have before when you see the day approaching. Because in that day, you will be tempted to not, not assemble at all. The distractions and the persecution, which we don't know nothing about, but the persecution and the distractions will try to keep you out. So as you see it coming, my brothers and sisters, assemble more, assemble more, assemble more. Why? Because it's light in the church. Encouragement comes. We are in the day he's talking about. We are in the day he's talking about. Listen, we know nothing about persecution. Not, not the way Brother David, another pastor, I won't say the name because he wouldn't want me to say the name, but there's a country and I'll leave it at that, that he goes to. And that devil is so strong in that area and they hate the church so strong in that area that the pastor... I mean, he's not a conventional looking pastor. He wears black leathers. I mean, he's just, he looks like a mobster. But, he, but, but that's because he, he lives extreme. The government knows where he lives. And on a regular basis, they throw rocks and they hire hooligans to, you know, vandalize his property. When they really want to get his attention, they decapitate animals and put their heads on stakes and pour the blood all over his, his driveway and everything. They hire witches to come and do witchcraft ceremonies because they hate him and they want to run him out of their town, the mayor and all these other people.
But this pastor and the person, they're looking for the church. They can't find the church. They can't find the church because the church meets in a different location every week. And if, and if you don't, and they, they tap emails and all that. So a lot of times, yes, they'll call or they'll leave notes or they'll try to do stuff with encrypted phones. But a lot of times the people, they don't, if they can't get the message as to where church is meeting, you better know the Holy Ghost or you don't get to come to church. Now you see here, some of you going, yes, I don't know the Holy Ghost. Yes, I get to not come to church. But there it's not that way. There they love church so much. It's their lifeline. For them to not go is a devastation to them. And they pray and fast for God to show them where the meeting is. If they can't get the note. <laughs> because they're trying to find them to put them in prison. And there's still countries that happens today. I mean, right now, today, that is happening in certain places of the world. And so when David went, you know, uh, you know, obviously he couldn't tell the lady at the customs why he was there. He just said he was there for uh, sightseeing. And when he got out, they had armed guards following him because they didn't know who he was. And they thought maybe he, you know, when you, David looks weird anyway. So I'm not surprised the armed guards were following him anyway. And so they got his thing and then, and he, and he didn't know where there's no, there's no one to pick him up. There's no pastor. There's no greeting. There's no nothing. And so he gets his head. He doesn't know what to do. So he just starts to walk and the armed guards are following him to see where he's going to go. And the pastor knows this. So that's why they didn't send somebody to pick him up because the police are trying to catch the pastor. <laughs> and so uh, as he's walking, he just felt by, prompted by the Spirit, just walked down the street. So he's just walking down the street and a prostitute comes up to him. I mean, she's got, she looks like a prostitute. You know what a prostitute looks like? Well, you, hopefully you're not, but, but uh, they, he, a prostitute has come up to him. She's she not wearing nun clothes, let's put it that way. And so she starts, you know, flirting with him and handing him and, and you know, like, you know, you know, being seductive, moving. And David, if you know David, David don't, don't, David don't prep with that kind of stuff. He's afraid of Debbie. Debbie will kill him. Like physically kill him. So he, he loves Jesus and he is afraid of Debbie. <laughs> and so, you know, he's getting, he's, he's, he's getting upset. But as the person is, you know, doing all this stuff, she, you know, being seductive, she whispers in his ear as part of a game, part of an act. Pastor so-and-so sent me. <laughs> I'm not, this is not a lie. Pastor so-and-so sent me, walk down two blocks, turn left. There's a black, there's a black uh, SUV will pull up, uh, move very quickly and lie down. Don't let your head be seen above the seat. And then she, they're watching. The guards, the armed police are watching. And she does this and, uh, uh, and then she walks away. So it's a game. And they think she's a prostitute. They don't know she's the secretary of the pastor. And she's not a prostitute. She's doing that on purpose. That's the only way that they can do it. Corinne, I, I hope, I hope that we never get to the place where this is required. Sue, oh my God. Uh, oh my God. Sue, in Jesus' name, we'll never get there. And so, and so he walks. They're still following him, but they're following him at a distance. And he walks, and sure enough, as soon as he's in, this thing pulls up. He jumps in the path. The guy says, get in quickly. Jump in. He lies on the seat, and they take off. And when the police come around, he's disappeared. They don't know where he is. And they're speeding him under. I mean, and he's with this pastor. And, they're, and he's going underground, church to church to church, hiding from the police all week. If they catch him, he goes to prison. And in that country, they throw the key away. You never get out. And that's how serious it is. And so in that 
environment, you know, David's very intense and he's taken a lot of persecution in Mexico anyway. So I guess this kind of is up his alley. He, he doesn't mind that kind of stuff. And so he said to the, he said to the pastor, they were talking and, and, and about, you know, all these conferences and there's all this stuff, you know, a lot of things you guys maybe don't know about, but there's big conferences all over the world and all these people come and all these big churches go and all these, all this stuff happens. And I guess that guy had gone, been invited because he's such a, an amazing pastor with such a massive work in that country under such persecution, they invited him to be a guest speaker at one of these big highfalutin things. And David said, how did that conference go? What did you think? And I'll never forget, but David looked at me and he, and he started crying in the green room as he told me. I mean, he's so, he's so, there's such a purity about David Hogan. I don't know how to explain that to you. I mean, when he talks to you, you just shut up and listen because he knows God in a way that most people don't know God. He may not know every single doctrine that we teach, but he knows God in a certain way. And he looked at me and he said, you know, that pastor said to me, Craig, he said, you know what he said to me? He said, I went to that conference. And he said, all of those other, all of those people at that conference, they smell of chocolate and Walt Disney World. He said, but you, the pastor is saying to David, you, you smell like the blood of Jesus. What he meant was, there's nothing wrong with chocolate or Disney World. What he meant was the body of Christ is so shallow. Everything is just about the money and about the numbers and about the jets. And there's nothing wrong with that. We know we need those equipment. But the heart can be so, I'm just in it for me. Uh, and they don't understand the price people pay. They don't understand that there are people that are giving their lives for Jesus today. And everything is just chocolate and Disney World, meaning it's fluffy, it's light. And it's okay if that's your world and all you know is fluffy and light, we can't really be, you can't really judge us because that's all we know. We're not, we're not living in your hell. But he saw David understood something about his hell that he was living in and that he was willing to pay a price. And he was willing to fast and pray with that pastor instead of wanting to go to a, a restaurant every service. And he was willing to put his life on the, on the line and maybe have to get caught and go to prison. And he was willing to do that for that pastor and his congregation. And he said, there's very few people that smell like the blood of Jesus. I thought that was an interesting phrase. He said, you smell like the blood of Jesus. In other words, there's something about you that is so raw and so deep and so true. And so, this is not just fun and games. This is life and death to you, David, because I live life and death. And I've never found somebody that understands me before, but you understand me before. I'm saying that to say this, that there are, that the world that we live in is dark and there's a lot of people that are, that Christianity is not just coming to church. Now, I know it's hard for you to understand because that's all we know and I'm not knocking you. And David has apologized to me. He said, sometimes I, I think I blame Americans and Canadians because they don't understand, but it's not their fault. They're not in it. They can't understand what I go through because you don't live with me. But he's trying to get over that there is a real gospel and there's a real price. And that even though we are not in a position where we are being persecuted like that, we can still adopt. That's what frustrates him. It's not that we're not being persecuted and he's mad that we're not being persecuted. It's not our fault that we're not being persecuted. We, 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 it's not, we chose to live in Canada. It's not our fault that they're not trying to stone us. So don't blame us because we chose a good country. That's not really what he's upset about. What he's upset about is even though you're in a place where there is no persecution and where life is easy, you can still choose to have that intense love and faithfulness and give your all to God and where it is your life to give. You give him your life. 
And I looked at him and I said, David, it's hard for people to feel that way when somebody isn't putting a rock on them. The best thing that could happen is for people to stone you on your way to church. Then I'd find out if you're really a Christian or not. I'm serious. I'm not saying that'll happen. But I'm just saying, persecution grows the church. It has all the way through history. Study history. Study church history. Persecution has never reduced the church. It has always increased the church. Now even COVID, which is not persecution, that's them trying to protect us from a disease. No matter what all the weirdos out there say. They are not persecuting the church because they, and then they're persecuting Cineplex Odeon as well, I guess. And they're persecuting the bars. They're not picking a group over one. They're just trying to generalize to protect everyone. So don't count this as persecution because it's not. You want persecution, uh, go, go with me and David to that place and then you'll see persecution. Do you understand? Go with me to Pastor Israel's church where, where now they've won this great battle in the courts. Now the Orthodox have to stand 100 feet back. But until two weeks ago, those Orthodox were allowed to come right up to your face. They were there when I went into the church. They were shielding me because they were right there. So he had security with me as I was going in. But they're standing right there and, they, and they, they'll hit you. They'll throw things at you. They'll cuss. I mean, talk about Orthodox Jews, filthy words coming out of their mouth. You effing this and that. I mean, just awful. And, and they, they feel like it's okay because they are against the great Satan, which is the church. That same anti-hateful spirit that hated Jesus is possessed them. Yeah. Now, that's not even very hard persecution. All it is is sticks and stones and, and words. But in other places, it goes a lot more than words. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but Corona is not persecution. But I want to say something. Even with the non-persecution Corona, look what happened to our congregation. Are you with me? By the way, I haven't even started my sermon. Even without the persecution element, it was an inconvenience. It wasn't persecution. But even with just inconvenience, Reverend Taylor, look what happened to our congregation. What happened, Lorraine? They went like this. They were there. They were watching. They were giving. And can I tell you the truth about it? I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I'm just telling you the truth about it. Our offerings since June 13th have gone down. Since we gathered back with 30%, I almost feel like saying, Doug, close the churches. I won't get any more money when you close the churches. Because when we started meeting, the offering started going down. But as soon as when we're not meeting and people have a sense of something's wrong, something's not like normal, uh, life doesn't feel comfortable anymore. Uh, uh, they're, they're watching, they're praying. I can feel the anointing was so strong, even though there was nobody in the building, the anointing was stronger when I preached without people than when it is when there are people. People were giving, they were sacrificing more. I, I mean, we almost had 100% tithers during that time. And as soon as we started meeting, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying when things happen that are different, people seem, believers seem to go, oh, let's stand together, let's stand together, let's stand together. But when things are kind of, mm, uh, just come and if you want to wear a mask, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. And if you want to, <laughs> and then everybody comes back together and it's like everybody feels okay, we're okay. So I'm now not, uh, I'm relaxed. Things are comfortable. So now, 
I'll get relaxed in my faithfulness. I won't watch services as much as I need to. I'm not going to give what I used to. And our tithers have gone down. Could you explain that to me? Because I can hire people to throw rocks at you very easily. I can just call the Orthodox and say, you want an extra, extra thing with God? Because they think they're going to get favors with God by hurting Christians. Would you let us say, come, 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 come. Just stand out here and scream at them as they come in. Cuss them out. Throw stuff at them. Because then maybe our church will be a little bit more like, you know, that pastor, you know, David, I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm on it. You know, what, you know what David told me? He said, that pastor never has to ever ask people to tithe in, in that country. He never, ever has to ask people to come to church. They are, the persecution is so great. It is life and death to them. And they know this is Jesus. This is, I could die for this. When you're willing to die for something and go to prison, you don't have to be asked to show up. You're willing to die for it. You're obviously going to show up. You don't have to be asked to give to a building fund. You do whatever you have to do to help with the finances. You don't have to be asked to clean the toilets. You do it because you're willing to die. So therefore, that is the ultimate. Anything else is an automatic yes. But the problem is in America, we have got so comfortable and so loose. And we're not willing to really die for things. So therefore, we have to beg you to be a minister of helps, beg you to show up, beg you to tithe. And the first little attitude of something's wrong, everybody gathers and garners together. And there's great unity and great strength. I was looking forward to having the 30%. Now I wish I didn't have it. I want to see you, and, and that satisfied my heart because I missed you so bad. So it's still worth it to me because I get to see you. I get to look at you. I get to know that you're okay. I get to love on you. But there was something else that was intangible during that time that we've lost that was so precious to God and precious to me, and I've exchanged that to be able to see your faces. But you know what? I don't have to exchange it. I have exchanged it, but we don't have to. We can still see each other's faces and set our hearts to. This is my life. I lay my life down for him today. I lay my life down for him today. I give you everything, Jesus. For him to say to spend time in prayer, obviously, pastor, I've given him my life. You don't have to ask me to tithe. I tithe. That's not, not an issue. You don't ask me to show up. I'll be early. You don't have to be to serve. It's my life. I give it to Jesus. Why do we have to exchange, Errol, that intense commitment just to see people's faces? It shouldn't have to be an exchange. We should have both. I should see your faces and you should have that commitment. And when the 30% lifts and every, every seat is full, we should still have both. And can I tell you something, please? Can I tell you something? If you're listening, can I tell you something? The rewards in heaven for you, I know this is going to sound oxymoronic, but it's true. The rewards in heaven for you, if you can maintain that level of commitment, will be greater than the rewards in heaven for people in persecuted countries. You say, but why? They're the, they, they should get, because if you could do it without somebody stoning you. If you could do it by the decision of your will, because he's so important without the pressure, you would do it if you were under the pressure. But if you could do it without the pressure, how much greater is your reward? God said that to me. It shocked me when he said it to me. He said, I said, the ones that haven't seen me will receive the greater reward. 
And he said, it works the same in this. It's, it's, it's when you're under that kind of pressure, the, what is in you comes out. So if, you, if you're a backsider, you just leave the church. I mean, it's, it's obvious. But what's in you, this, the commitment, the intensity, the, 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 the martyrdom spirit for Jesus will come out of you. But it came out because they were pressed. You press that tea bag and something comes out. If you can have that same attitude without the press. Yeah. Yeah. Just because he's that important to you. Amen. Just like you, greater reward because you haven't seen him, but you believe. Greater reward because you weren't pressed, but you committed. Are you with me? I think in heaven you'll be surprised who gets the greatest awards. It may not all be the people you think. And trust me, those people are going to get big rewards because they were pressed and they honored God. But what about the people that aren't pressed? And it's not your fault that you're not pressed. You've chosen a country that doesn't press us. Doesn't press and doesn't oppress. Generally speaking. I mean, Chantel, you know, we got Rocky Road ahead with the legal areas and all this stuff that they're trying to entrap pastors so that they can put us in prison if we preach the wrong thing. But generally speaking, we're not pressed. If we can maintain that fire and that zeal for Jesus, I wake up this morning and I lay myself upon the altar afresh. I am yours. Lord, everything that I have is yours. My heart is yours. I live for you. I die for you. Whatever you ask me to do today, I'm yours. I recommit myself to you today, Father. My faith is reborn. My commitment is reborn. My heart is reborn to you. I am yours. If you can do that without the press, my God. One of those pastors told David that a young couple in his church crossed the... Uh, okay, well, I don't want to say too much because then you're smart. Some of you are smart, some not so much. But anyway, you might figure it out. But I, I used to, there's actually three border countries, so you can't figure it out. But they crossed the border into North Korea to go and preach the gospel where they'll execute you. And uh, the young man and daughter got caught. And they decapitated them. Now, they don't put that on CNN, but it happens almost every day. So don't be fooled by what you see on the television. Kim Jong-un is demon-possessed, and he, we need God to get him out because those people are dying under his control. And his father was demon-possessed too. They've taken over by hell, and they hate their people. I'm telling you the truth about it. Now, the parent of the young man, now listen to this, this, the, I'm not saying they, don't, they may not have all the teaching we have, but I'm, I'm not looking at doctrine. I'm looking at heart for a second. The parent of that couple, the parent of the son and the daughter that died, you know, the, the, the son's father said to the pastor, the one I'm talking about, and they're older, they're in their 60s. And they said to the pastor, we are going to North Korea to preach the gospel. And the pastor tried to restrain them and said, what are you doing? You cannot do that. If they catch you, and they probably will, they just killed your son and your daughter-in-law. You can't do that. I need you here in the work. You know what their response was? We cannot live knowing that our son had the greatest death that anyone could have. If, 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 if we go and we die, then, we, then we're with them in heaven and we have equal reward. We can't live knowing we've done less than the martyr. That's what they said. We can't get up in the morning knowing we've done less than the martyr. Now, we believe God to protect us. But if something were to go wrong and they catch us and they kill us, just know we are so pleased to die for Jesus. And they went and they got caught and they got decapitated a week later. 
Now, we've learned some things that they haven't learned. We know some doctrine about being led by the Spirit. Because being led by the Spirit trumps the joy of martyrdom. But if God leads you by the Spirit and your race is run, then that's okay to be a martyr. Paul wasn't a martyr until his race was run. And he, God protected him all the way through until his race was run. That's Bible. Not everybody understands that. Some people, they'll just give their life and they don't understand the doctrine of protection. Psalm 91, running your race, being led by the Spirit, having God divinely deliver you from the lion's den. So they die unnecessarily prematurely. But having said all that, just don't despise them because of that because they still were willing to give something more than you're willing to give. Do you understand? I'm not saying that they were right to do that or that there wasn't a better way because there probably was. But what I'm saying is, do you see the heart? The heart is what I'm looking for. The heart of those people, they love Jesus so much that they count their life as nothing to themselves. Because every day is a day of, this is, what can I do for you, Jesus? How can I serve you today? Who can I talk to? I know they might catch me. Today, we don't even, everybody, nobody catches you by witnessing. And nobody witnesses. There, you get caught, they put you in prison and throw the key away, and everybody's witnessing. Do you see the difference between the press? Something comes out. When there's no press, so if you can witness without a press, God is pleased. If you can be committed without the pressure, God is extra pleased, because so many aren't. But if you can choose by your heart to say, persecution or not, I give my life to you, Father. Oh my God, he's looking for that kind of a heart. Congregation, we're not in persecution. So don't even think we are because we're not. We're in inconvenience. That's all it is. This is chocolate in Disney World. This is nothing. This is nothing. What I went through with that lawsuit at the beginning of the year, you know, like it felt so big and bad to me, like the big bad wolf. And after it was all over and they got to the miracle and they threw it out and all that stuff happened, after I was over the emotion of it, the Lord spoke to me and he said, that was a wolf cub that wasn't a wolf. Have you ever seen a wolf cub? They're small and cute. That little thing that attacked you, that was something cute, son. You ain't never seen the wolf. You thought you were dealing with the biggest wolf on the planet. You were dealing with a cub. And that, the cub scared you. It's true. And it did. Because they were lasting six months in prison. I was going to have to go to the big house. I was going to have to work out in the yard with all the drug dealers. I was actually kind of looking forward. I might have come back, cut six pack. Oh my God. And they'd say, Lord, send them back for another six months. I kind of, Randy said, brother, prepare for the worst. <laughs> he did. He told me that. He said, prepare for the worst, but believe for the best. I said, brother, that doesn't encourage me at all. He said, let me teach you how to make chocolate with Milky Way bars. <laughs> But he said, believe for the best and, and prepare for the worst. I said, that's not faith. He goes, oh no, that's faith. <laughs> you better prepare for the worst. And then, and then he said, but the Holy Ghost would tell me if something was going to go wrong with you. You see how important it is to have a spiritual father? Because when I went down for youth camp, when was that? July. In the little thing there with Barbie, the Barbies, Right. He starts, Barbie, that's the name of the guy that runs the camp. What's his name? Bill and Sandra Barbie. That's their last name. So the Barbies are there with us and Randy. And Randy gets over in the spirit right there. There's a big lazy Susan and we're eating mashed potato and fried chicken. 
But he got in the spirit and he starts to prophesy at the table and said, I see you. I see you, Craig. There's eight people there. I see you, Craig, like a bull. I'm thinking, my God, praise God, I'm a bull. <laughs> but the word didn't finish with that. And he didn't say bullheaded either. He just said, I see you like a bull. Yes, I see you. I'm feeling so good. I see you like a bull in the china shop. I said, oh my God. He said, I see you breaking glass. I see you moving and you're breaking people's holy, holy cow. You're just destroying things. And I see them coming for you, boy. I see them coming. I see them arresting you. I see them trying to put you in prison. <laughs> the encouraging word ended very quickly. No, seriously. And Jenny, she grabbed my hand under the table. And I'm squeezing her hand and she's squeezing mine. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to prison. I'm not doing anything wrong. And then he opens his eyes and he starts saying, I said, sir, uh, what, 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 what do you mean by that? He said, I don't know, but you're going to get arrested. They're going to try to put you in prison. That was my lunch at youth camp. So when you see me maybe quiet that night, you want, I'm not depressed. I'm just contemplating prison. And I, so I come back, Errol, are we okay on the books? Is everything good? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? I didn't know that the devil was working that situation out, which started in October. He prophesied it in July. See, and we were praying, but that devil worked that thing out with that person that, that got all offended with us, left the church, lied about me, accused me, and all that stuff, that, because I told the person to forgive, and that violated her constitutional rights because I told her to forgive. And so they did obstruction of justice and they, and they arrested me. And I'm there, and I'm there, and, I, and I'm partly peeing a little bit in my pants. Partly I'm laughing. Partly I'm thinking of the bull. Partly I'm crying. It was such a weird emotional, it was such weird emotions. I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like I go in there, I praise God. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> Because I just felt like I'm a good person. I've never broken the law in my life. I've never done anything. I've never drank. I've never had sex outside marriage. I've never, I've never stolen anything. I've never, I've just been a fairly good boy. And here they are putting my finger. And she said, that lady was mean, man. She was rough. She's like, uh, uh, stand straight. I said, she said, give me your hand. Spread your fingers. I mean, she was rough, like, because you have to put your fingerprint, mugshot, open your eyes. Don't open them that much. Don't smile. And they're taking the picture of the flash. I said, don't, I'm trying not to do, but your flash is so bright. So they finally get the mug shot. They do the thing. They do all that stuff. And, and just a strange experience. And I'm just thinking back to that thing. I see you as a boy in a china shop. They're going to arrest you. So that whole experience was a little bit unnerving to me. Do you understand? Because when you're not a criminal, <laughs> you don't expect to be arrested. And I know it was right. That was persecution. That was the devil. But the Lord told me that was a wolf cub. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I don't want to deal with the wolf. If that's the cub, leave me out of the wolves altogether. I want to deal with coyotes. I can deal with coyotes. I don't want to deal with wolves. What I'm saying is that even though we're not under persecution today, like that church over there, I don't know what's coming. Because if that was a cub and there's obviously greater coming, we just got to keep our hearts clean. We got, to, we got to use our, we got to be faith people. We got to obey the call. When God tells me to do something, I have to do it. Because if I don't do it, I open a door. The devil can come in and he can hurt my children. He can hurt my marriage. He can hurt us as a church. So when I stand before you, it's very important. I don't know why I'm going to close. I didn't even get to the first. It was a good sermon too, Taylor. It was a good sermon. It was a really good sermon. My God, it was such a good sermon this morning. Not what I preached. I'm saying what in my notes, it was such a good sermon. 
but I just felt the Holy Ghost, so I, I had to just go. Well, but I just want you to know that no matter what comes, we, we, we have to just stand our ground and we have to be people of faith. And that's why it's really, really important for two things. One, that you pray. I'm not just saying that lightly. I'm saying you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray because not all men have faith. Not all men are reasonable and many men are wicked. That's what the Bible says. And they look for opportunity. And that's one of the reasons we pray every week. It's so important we pray because I get in the spirit and sometimes I see things and I'm able to deal with them before they can get on our property. Problems, demons out there using people to try to hurt us. And and like even this last week, I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, there's something brewing, son. You don't need to know what it is. Thank God. I'm glad he doesn't tell me what it is because I don't know where the the wolf cub or the wolf pup or the wolf placebo. I don't know what, I don't know the placenta, the wolf, whatever it is. I don't want to know anything to do with the wolf. He he doesn't even tell me. He said, you don't need to know what it is. You don't want to know what it is, but something is brewing. But apply the blood and take authority over the demon that's trying to work in that scenario. Now, he didn't tell me what it was, and I don't want to know what it was. But we applied that blood. I'm telling you, I felt the anointing come strong when I did that. The bloodline around this property, around my staff, around me, around our people, around our congregation, around all we own on every side. And that demon cannot enter. That cannot cross that line. It cannot cross that line. But you see, the Holy Ghost, I wasn't planning on praying that. The Holy Ghost had me pray that. If I hadn't have had the prayer meeting, I may not have known to pray that. That's why prayer meetings are so important. That's why standing in faith and using what we know in protection is so important. That's why preaching strong and bold, not to pick a fight, but to hold the banner of truth is so important. And so you praying for me really helps. So please don't stop. In fact, please increase. And for my sons, because let me tell you, I don't want any, listen, you better be listening to me. You don't want anybody going up and talking to my sons about what I'm about to say. None of your business. Your job is to pray. Your job is not to preach to them. But there is a war for my sons, my older sons right now. We're in a spiritual warfare over, over their futures because the enemy is trying to put thoughts and, and put people in their lives to try to get them away from the ministry and to get them away from the plan of God. In fact, trying to get them away from God himself. Forget the plan of God. Now, we, now I'm telling you this because we more or less have victory, but, I'm not, but we're still, I need you to just pray for my sons. But for the last year, 18 months, we've been in a battle. Yeah. And people, I don't tell you that, but if you're spiritual, you'll pick it up. Yeah. But my son, we had a breakthrough, even just yesterday. My son came to me, my oldest one, and he put his head on my chest right here. And he said, Daddy, I covenant with you. I will wash the toilets. I will sweep the floors. I will do anything you ask me to do. And I don't want to do anything like preaching or nothing until you think I'm ready. I humble myself before you as my spiritual father. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a major, that's a major breakthrough. Because he's a smart kid and we've got a lot of other people out there and the, telling him you can do this and oh, you'd be so good at that. And you know, the guidance counselors are trying to help, but they're my worst enemy. I'm trying to tell my son what they think he's good at. You know what I mean? <laughs> So thank you for praying for my family. Thank you for praying for my sons. We're having breakthrough. They're going to fulfill the plan of God. I'm not asking, I'm not forcing them to be preachers. I said, you can do whatever you want, but just make sure you love Jesus no matter what you do. And if, and you are called because Dr. Dufresne prophesied over both of them. I said, you are called, but you have to qualify for that. I can't make you. So it has to come out of their hearts. It can't come because daddy's a preacher. So I have to be a preacher. And I don't want anybody trying to push them in that direction or make comments to them about, oh, I can't wait for you to preach or, oh, you're going to be a great preacher or you need to do what your daddy does. They don't need that kind of pressure. They need to figure that out on their own because pastor's kids go through something that no one else's child in the church goes through. 
And that's why so many pastor's kids, they call them PKs backslide and walk away from the ministry because the people put pressure on them that shouldn't have been put. So I'm, I'm a guard over them and I, not, not, our congregation has been very good. I'm not correcting you. I'm just thanking you for praying for them, thanking you for praying for our family because sometimes there's stuff that you don't know that's going on and you'll never know what's going on. But we, we deal with some problems sometimes with people and with spiritual wickedness and, and that, that, that assault against us. Uh, we deal with stuff that nobody knows about. Our prayer team doesn't know about. I'm telling you, but I can feel it when the people pray. So thank you. And don't, don't get light. Even if you don't feel the press, keep praying. And the, and the second thing is you can help me by praying. And the second thing is you can help me by running with the vision. That's why God said we're runners in Hebron. When I stand up and I say we're doing radio, you think I want to do radio? I harass Peter enough with two broadcasts a week. He can never get me in here to do recording. You, you, how are we going to do five broadcasts a week? Poor Peter, you need to pray for Peter. You need to pray for me. You think I want to spend $700 more per week? You think I want to go five days a week? I don't. I really, really don't. But God said, you will do it, son, and I'm going to bless you. And your listenership is about to quadruple. And the message of faith is about to get out. He told me to do it. But when I, when I say that, in addition to praying for me, you can help pray for that. Start calling the money in. And when God says, give five extra bucks, give the five extra bucks. Well, you know, I, this is Starbucks and you know, you know what I'm saying, Lord. No, he doesn't know what you're saying. If he, 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 without the press, he needs you to have your life on the altar without the press. Do you understand? When I call, when we call for that building fund offering, please do the best you can. Don't go beyond what the Holy Ghost says and don't go under what the Holy Ghost says. Just do what he says. And even if it's a sacrifice, do it. Because as you pour yourself out in faith, he'll take your lesser and you'll give you a greater harvest for it. But that's part of running with the vision so that the supply is there for the vision so that what God's asked us to do, we can do. If you can pray and run with the vision, we're set. Praise God. We, we, do, we shouldn't need the press of persecution in order to be faithful. We shouldn't need it in order to tithe and give. Our numbers should not go down because we're gathering together again. That is hurtful to the Holy Ghost. So if you are responsible in your heart between you and God that you know your attendance, you are watching all the time, but now that you're attending, that's gone down or your giving has gone down or anything has gone down. If I were you, I'd make an adjustment. Because the Holy Ghost has changed my entire plan this morning to try to communicate to this local church that the press of persecution should not be necessary for us to still give our lives on the altar. And the reward will even be greater for us because it's easy to live, it's easy to live relaxed. But when you live with an intensity of the Spirit of God on you, even without the pressure outside, God is so pleased with that. And he will honor us for that. Hallelujah. Well, I guess I'll get to the message on the next service because this was unusual. So please maybe watch it later so you can actually hear what I was going to say. Praise God at the 1 p.m. But I love the Holy Ghost. He's so, and by the way, I, by the way, I am doing double the preaching. Did you all remember that? It was Sunday and Wednesday. Feel for me. Love me. Pray for me. The Lord said, son, I need you to start confessing something. He said, I want you to say, my voice is strong. My voice is strong. And I said, what do you mean by that, Lord? He said, your voice, because of the extra that's required of you, you need to believe me because in the natural, he told me your vocal cords are going to give out. He said, because of the intensity that you preach at. He said, but if you release your faith, I'll supernaturally strengthen those cords in a way that is not in your genetics. 
So he said, start to say, start to call, my voice is strong. And then the other side of it is, start to say, my voice is strong. He wasn't repeating the same thing twice. He was saying two different things. My voice, my voice, the voice will go further. Remember the prophecy? My voice is strong. He said, start to say that every day. My voice is strong and my voice is strong. So would you confess that with me? Pastor's voice is strong. He's doing double duty, but his vocal cords are stronger than ever before. And he doesn't, and they don't give out. Even if he, God will change your genetic code if he has to. He will. If you'll have faith. Would you say that my voice is strong in the natural and my voice is strong in the spirit? Amen. And it will surely come to pass. Father, these precious people sat through an unusual service today. But Lord, I believe that they witnessed what the Holy Ghost was trying to communicate in an unusual capacity. I thank you that their hearts are pure and right, that they receive the word of God. Lord, I didn't even get to my verses that I wanted other than that one, but that wasn't even on my agenda. But Lord, I thank you that even when the Spirit of God changes it, Lord, I just want what you want. If you change it, obviously it meant that you wanted them to hear that. You wanted it to go out on the airwaves. You wanted other people that aren't even here watching to hear it. So Father, I thank you for the help of the Spirit today. We did what you said. And for the actual message, Lord, they can listen later to the one o'clock service. I bless them. I highly esteem them and honor them for their faithfulness. And I thank you that you're with us this week. That no matter what we face and no matter what we go through, we are divinely protected. That we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of faith will cause us victory at every turn. I thank you for the increased commitment and, and, and loyalty to Jesus and to this local church, that, 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 that passionate focus that I preached about today, even without persecution. I thank you that it grows in this church. Why? Because we love you and we decide. We can decide to be there. We can decide to act that way even without persecution. Lord, it comes out of an overflow of a love and a spending time with you. I thank you that it happens and those angels help this congregation in Jesus' name in that capacity, Father. I give you praise for it, and I love you, and I thank you.